You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. As we dive into week four of At The Movies, we are looking at this movie called Knives Out. Uh, and if, you didn't, if you've never seen it or you didn't pick it up from the trailer, basically there, there is a writer named Harlan Thromby. He is a mystery fictional author. He has written several books. He's famous. He's a very wealthy man. He has been found dead, and the police have done an investigation, and they dismissed the investigation saying, hey, there's no foul play here. It was a suicide. Well, a private investigator is then hired. He comes in, and he begins to interview the different members of the family. And what he finds is that each member of the family kind of has some some dirty laundry, right? Some, some baggage that they're carrying with them. And so as he's interviewing them, asking them all these questions about, hey, what's going on here? What's going on there? He finds that, you know, one is having an affair. One is about to be fired from the family business. Uh, another is doing this. And every single one of them has this cover story, right? Th- this story that sort of gives a, a shred of truth, but not in the complete total truth. And he's investigating to find out who killed this author. And as he dives into the family, he sees a woven net of lies and a a woven net of things that they're trying to hide. And as I was thinking about this sermon series for us and this morning specifically, I, I kind of thought about this question. How many of us have spinoff stories or stories that we try to use to cover some of the past regrets and the pains in our life? How, how, how many of you have regrets that when you, when you think back on them and maybe somehow socially a, a question comes up, have you ever done X, Y, or Z? Inside you're going, oh no. And so you come up with this spinoff story to hide something because what's happening is that regret, that pain that was a, a, a once a live and in color thing is now a memory, but it's still haunting you from those days. Most of us have past experiences. Probably every single one of us in this room have past experiences that we regret. I could probably write a book on the past experiences that I regret, and I wish I could go back and change the moment. This, this moment with that fight with my wife, this moment in grade school, this moment at a job, this red light I ran, or whatever. Like, we all have those moments. And so the question for us this morning is, as we dive in to, to God's word, you've probably heard the statement of you are not your mistakes or something like you are not the sum of your mistakes. And to a degree, that is true, but to a degree, it's also not true, right? Because what do we do with mistakes? We we, Lord willing, we, we learn from them. We make better choices moving forward and maybe even teach others to avoid those same mistakes. When, when you're building something for the first time, you make a lot of mistakes. Trust me, I've been there. I've done that. I, when I build something the second time, I make the same mistakes oftentimes. But Lord willing, the third, you can ask Tim Self because we're building something together and he's got full witness of that. But the third time, Lord willing, I've learned from my previous mistakes, and now I can make different decisions. And so this morning, what we're going to dive into is this idea of how we can begin to let go of the pain and regret of our past. See, we don't necessarily want to forget our past. I think that's where a misnomer is. 
Sometimes we go, hey, let's, let's just kind of forget the past. Let's just move on. Well, the reality is the, the past, good and bad decisions, made you who you are today. And so you don't want to forget those past decisions, those past mistakes or those past triumphs. What you want to forget or what you want to lose is the pain from those past mistakes. We want to get rid of the regret. So how do we fight this, this kind of darkness that's looming over us? How do we begin to let go of the pain and regrets of the past? Well, our Lord gives us an answer in Luke chapter 12, beginning of verse 1. Let's stand in the honor of reading God's word together. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. You may be seated. All right, so let's kind of understand what's happening here in this moment. So Jesus is kind of at the height of his popularity. Right here in this moment, he, he has traveled around. He's healed people. The crowds are enormous. And so some of these crowds are coming to him because they, they genuinely want to hear what he has to say or they genuinely believe that they ha he has something for them. Maybe they can be healed or, or something else in their lives. But there are others that have been following Jesus and hearing Jesus. Some of these people are like Pharisees and Sadducees. And what Jesus has come in and done is he's kind of wrecked their entire way of life. So these Pharisees and these Sadducees, these are religious leaders. These are people who, unfortunately, have kind of been making money off of God. And they've been making a better life for themselves off of the way that God has, quote unquote, supposedly told them how to live. And so Jesus comes in and he begins to kind of wreck that entire system for them. And so what began for the Pharisees and the Sadducees as just a, hey, let's just go listen to Jesus and kind of figure out what he's teaching whenever he pops up is now something like stalking. Like they are looking for Jesus at every corner. They are following him from town to town, from place to place, and they are looking to kind of destroy Jesus' ministry. And so this is the place that we see in Luke chapter 12. When he said many of the thousands of people had gathered, this is a massive crowd that is around him. And it is in this tension, it is in this place right here where Jesus begins to give us the directions and the answers to how we can live a new life. A new life in him, not necessarily forgetting the past, but certainly not owning the losses and the failures and the regret and the pain. And if, we, if we're taking notes this morning, you'll see that second point. It, it is in the greatest tensions of life is where you will find the greatest change. It's in the greatest tensions of life is where you will find the greatest change. When we're trying to get rid of the darkness, it is in this moment when everything around us kind of, it's like that Star Wars moment when, when the walls are closing in. It's in that moment when everything seems to get extremely tight. You don't know where to go. That is when you turn to the right place at the right time for the biggest change in your life. It's Jesus. So he begins to teach his disciples in the middle of this tension. So step one that we see from Jesus in this passage, Luke chapter 12, is that the old has got to go. The old 
has got to go. So when Jesus is looking at his disciples, he gathers them around. Thousands of people are around. And he says, hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What is leaven? What does this have to do with anything? So leaven, it, most often, is kind of like a yeast. Right here, I have a packet of active dry yeast. And so when, when you're baking bread, what leaven does is it comes in, and you don't necessarily see it. You don't necessarily know how it's working, but it comes in, and it changes the bread. Because if you didn't have leaven, you would have bread that looked kind of like this, a bunch of flat pieces of bread. Now, the sum may rise a little higher than this. Maybe put some baking soda in it or something like that. But you need some sort of leaven, some sort of active material to come in, unbeknownst to the other materials, and change what is going on. So what began is maybe just a little small packet of flour, a little small packet of dry yeast, turns into a loaf of bread, unbeknownst to everyone around it. So what Jesus is saying in this moment to his disciples is, hey, what starts off as a small thing, a small way that these Pharisees kind of move, it seems innocent at first. Maybe, maybe they have even good intentions. But the way in which, the leaven in which the Pharisees work is they come in and they wreck things. They change things. You think it's going right, but it, it isn't. It, it's not going to work the way that you want it to. Because it comes in unnoticed. And it sits there, and it begins to corrupt and change everything else around it. And the same thing happens with our unrepentant sin. It begins as something that may feel good. It begins as this thing that kind of, oh, it's just a one-off. It's just, it's just this thing. It's just that thing. It's just the show I watched, the things I said, the, this, this thing that I did. And it begins maybe as a small thing. But over time, what happens is it creeps in, and what was a small thing, kind of under the radar, becomes something bigger, and it's changed the way that we see the world. It's changed the way that we do things. And what Jesus is saying is you have to remove that small thing. You can't act the way that the Pharisees act. You, you can't try to hide things in your life. You have to expose them. You have to rid yourselves of them. Interestingly enough, Jesus is taking this moment, surrounded likely by Pharisees, and he talks trash about Pharisees. Like, imagine the tension in that place, right? Hey, hey buddies, hey, disciples, let's come together. Let me tell you why you shouldn't be like the people that are right behind you. I mean, imagine being those disciples in that moment. Like, you can have all the faith you want in Jesus, as we see that the disciples certainly wavered in that faith at, mo at moments. But here are religious, strong, powerful, even political people around them. And he's saying, do not be like them. I know the world you were raised in says to be like them because they're successful. They have authority. They have power and all this. Do not be like them. Do not follow their ways. You have to rid yourself of these worldly desires. You have to get rid of the old. You have to... Do things a different way. So, I don't know about you, but I've tried to start new things multiple times in my life. Like, hey, let's do this new thing here. Let me get rid of this old way. And about 50% of the time, I fail. Why is that? Well, it's because I'm trying to do it on my own merits. I'm trying to do it on my own work. Maybe, maybe the reason that I'm doing it wasn't good enough. Maybe it didn't push me hard enough. Maybe I just didn't have the, the will to push through. 
So what does Jesus say? Does he say, hey, go clean yourself up and come back and I'll save you? No, Jesus says what? I clean you. So step number two that we see in Jesus' point here is that we need to accept Jesus. You need, you need to understand that the only way to remove the old, the only way to get rid of the leaven in your life is to accept Jesus. If you're in Christ, then your past mistakes do not define you, nor, nor do they cast a shadow over your life. I love this. John 1.5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk into darkness, but will have the light of life. How do we rid ourselves of darkness and pain? We look towards Jesus. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, for at one time says, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Because what? Because they accepted Jesus. Walk as children of light. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but, in ex but instead expose those unfruitful works. Same guy, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing to the Ro Romans church, church in Rome. He says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. If you are in this room this morning and you find yourself as a son or daughter of the living king, but yet you find yourself in the midst of a struggle with sin, know that Jesus says, I have come to set you free. And maybe you're the one holding on to the sin. Like maybe it feels good. And you're saying, I don't really want to let go of it. I'll say it in front of others that I want to let go. But truthfully, in my heart, I don't want to let go. I, I, I like whatever is happening. I like the way I speak. I like the way I live. I like the things that I look at. I like those, those whatever comes from whatever I'm doing. I like these things. That's your flesh talking. So then how do we keep as Christians, as people who are chosen, adopted, redeemed into Christ, how do we keep from being like these hypocritical Pharisees? How, how, how can we do this? Luke chapter 12, that second verse. Jesus says, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. How do we run from our past pain, our past regrets? How do we acknowledge that they're there, but accept Jesus, get rid of the old? How do we do it? Step three, we have to cling to Jesus and find people who love him as much as we want to. We have to surround ourselves with people who are running after him with all that they have. That's why the church exists. You weren't made to walk in this life alone. You were made to walk together. But here's what we do. We are so ashamed of our past, maybe even our present, that we do not follow the commands, the, the, 
the kind of guidelines that God has given us. We admit that he is king and that he is Lord and that we desire to follow him with all that we have. But we struggle to let go. We, we struggle to let him sit on the throne of our lives because the sin that has so easily entangled us is moving our gaze, our direction off of Jesus. And it's moving it to a horizontal level rather than a vertical level. And we're looking at everything around us and we're saying, yeah, but look how much fun this is. Maybe you said this. I said this before I became a Christian. I've heard countless number of students say it. Yeah, I'll give my life to Jesus when I get older because being a Christian doesn't look like a lot of fun. And the reality is, if you expect to, to follow Jesus and have the same type of fun that you had before Jesus, maybe you didn't have an encounter with Jesus that restructured what, I, what the idea of fun is. Because I can't be the old me, but trying to function in the new. See, when Jesus came and he gave me new life and I, I repented and he crucified my sins. He nailed them to the cross. What he did was he said, Chris, you are a new child of God. I'm going to transform you, he says in Romans 12. I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to change the way that you look at everything. And so is the way that you used to have fun, the way that you used to experience life, is that going to be the same? Are you going to find the same fruit in the old as you will in the new? And the answer is no. There has been, there have been times in my life when I found myself in a situation similar to maybe some of those other situations before Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like you're in the room with people who are doing things you ain't supposed to be doing, or you find yourself in that situation that's just kind of awkward. And before Christ, I'd have been like one way, right? Like I'm going all in on whatever it is. But now, in Christ, I found myself with this weird feeling, with this thing inside of like, I need to either A, I need to flee, or B, I need to fight in the manner in which God has called me to. And I say, hey, this isn't the right way to do this. Now, truthfully, that this isn't the right way to do this statement is really easy to stay on a stage. It's, it's really easy, right? When, when we're hanging out with our friends and they do something really dumb, when we're, when we're at work and we mess up or our boss messes up or our employees mess up or when our family member is doing this absolute insane thing, it's really easy for us in a little cute Bible study to say, yeah, we should correct this or we should change that. It's a lot more difficult in the moment, isn't it? It's a lot more difficult in the moment to say, hey, that's not how we behave. That's not how we act. That's not how we talk. That's not how we look at things. And it can feel like you're like kind of parenting them if they're not your child, which would feel weird, right? Like you're like, hey, I'm better than you. You shouldn't do that. But what does Jesus call us to do? Like if, if they're in Christ and I'm in Christ, what does God call us to do? He calls us to hold each other accountable. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I think some of us can read that sentence and we go, yeah, okay, I, I hear that. But I'm not a righteous person. And the truth is, you and your core, that's right, you're not. But in Christ, you've been made new. And he says that you are. You are his. I was actually doing a prayer walk with some, some buddies probably 12 years ago. And we, we were praying over a certain situation. And one of the guys with me, we started talking about um, kind of praying confessional prayers with others. And he goes, yeah, I know James says to confess your sins, but I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. Like he, even Jesus says he, he, he didn't bring the disciples all the way in. He tries to quote, like I think it's a John passage. You know, he kind of, there were things that he didn't let them know about. And that seems like a really, you know, easy excuse. And later when kind of got alone with the guy, I just looked at him and said, you're not Jesus, bro. Like, I'm, I'm not asking you to come in and confess your sins to a room of people you don't know. But I am saying, I, I, I believe it, it, Jesus the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the, the Trinitarian God looked at us through James, through his writing, and said, the way that you can get rid of the old, the way that you can stop the leaven from coming in, is to get with people who are like-minded and run the race. And sometimes that means that you have to be vulnerable. That you gotta let folks in, you gotta say, hey, I am struggling with this. But that isn't what we want to do. We want to be pretty. We want to be all cleaned up. We want to make sure we have everything together. But when the gospel comes and it changes everything and it takes the dead to life, we can no longer function as the dead. We need to function in the light and the life of Jesus. So who do you have pushing you to be the person you want to be? Who, who in your community, those, those tight-knit group of people? We talked about friendship a little while ago. Who do you have that comes into your life and says, you want to be like Jesus, I want to be more like Jesus, let's run the race together. And then give grace, because truthfully, you're not going to do it well, and I'm not going to do it well either, right? Like, that's where we mess up. That's where people, the, the outside world thinks that, we are just these hypocritical people, not necessarily because we are hypocrites to them, because we are. We mess up, we fail. It's when we as the church call each other hypocrites and don't provide grace to each other. It's when we cast out long before we try to put a hand out and say, hey, come in. Like, what's going on? What struggles do you have? We, we've got to begin to build a place as the people of God to say, hey, I'm messy. My life is messy. It's broken. I do the things that I don't want to do. Probably too regularly. I, I had a buddy text me earlier this week. We were hanging out, my family, his family. And uh, I guess the night got over and he texted me and he said, hey, I, I just want to apologize. I, I think I said like the word but or something, you know, in front of your kid. I know that that's not what they want to hear. And I just texted him back and said, bro, if that's the worst word they heard, we're good. Like, you know. I know that's probably not what you want to hear from a pastor, but it is what it is. Thanks for your grace. 
Because we mess up. We say stupid things. We, we do stupid things. We, we, we fail constantly. But the good news of Jesus, when he comes and he takes us out of the darkness and moves us into the light, he knows that you're going to fail. And he says, press forward, press onward. Lift your eyes, run the race. Find people beside you left and right and run the race to him. That way when they stumble, they can pick, you can pick them up. And when you stumble, they can pick you up. I need that, you need that. We all need that as a body of believers. If we're going to love God, love people and invest in his kingdom, we have to begin by saying we're getting rid of the old in Christ through his power, through his sacrifice, and we're going to run the race. We're going to get rid of this old leaven. These old ways are dead and gone, and now we run to Jesus. We need to be a community of people who are striving after him. Will you strive with me? I've got a QR code that's going to come up on the screen in just a second. If you're in the room this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, or, or, or maybe you walked down an aisle one day, but it really wasn't like a real thing. It was just kind of something you did in the moment. And you want to learn about what next steps would be like to give your life to Jesus, to, to walk in the light and not in the darkness. When I pray in just a minute, I want to encourage you to get, get out your phone, open the camera app, and just scan that QR code. A hyperlink will pop up in case you've never used one of these things. So have your data on, I guess, or Wi-Fi connection. Maybe you're going, hey, I want to follow Jesus closer, and I've never been baptized. And so I want to follow him in baptism. You can scan that QR code, same thing. Maybe you, want to, maybe you say, you know what, Chris, everything you said is spot on, but I love Jesus, and I've been baptized, and I'm, I'm firmly committed to his church but I don't necessarily have a home church and I wanna make this my home church. We call that here having a seat at the table. You can scan that QR code, hit. I'm interested in learning more about having a seat at the table. And the last one, we're gonna be launching these in about a month. Some of them are continuous and they continue to go, but our community groups, we kinda of push them twice a year. The beginning of the fall and the beginning of the spring. If you're saying, hey, I come to church on a regular basis, I read my Bible, I try to stay connected, I love God, but I feel alone. I don't feel like I've got anybody on my left and my right. I need somebody else to push with me. Maybe you need a community group. Maybe you just need to try that out. And so you can scan that code and get plugged into a group. Let me tell you, if you think it's gonna be easy, groups are not easy. Like some of you have been in them for years and some of them you've probably had the greatest moments of your life and others of them you go, well, that was a lot of work. Do I really want to go again this week? I was in a group like that once and I'd look at Amy and I'd say, hey, it's time for group. We got any excuse not to go? And uh, she goes, no, Chris, we need to go. You know, I'm like, you're right. So we go and every time at the end of the night, I'd say, I'm so glad we came. I'm so, I'm so glad I got to hang out with brothers and sisters in Christ through all the busyness of our schedules and all the things that we quote unquote have to do. We carved out an hour, hour and a half, I don't even know how long that group was, and we said, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna just open God's word together, we're gonna be vulnerable, we're gonna pray, we're gonna lift each other up because I want people who are on my left and my right following me with Jesus. I, I want people to pour into my kids when my kid becomes a turd. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word on the stage, but I did. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? When your kid does the wrong thing at the wrong time for the wrong reason, you want somebody else in their life, a, a, a Christ follower, that's going to say, hey, why'd you do that? Let's maybe make a better decision. Because there's going to come a point in time, if you had a teenager, you know what I'm talking about. There's going to come a point in your time where you're going to look at that teenager, the teenager's going to be like, I don't, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. And so we need the church. We need people around us to help raise our kids, to help us move further closer to Jesus. So scan this QR code. Let me pray for us, and we're going to sing a song. We'll close out this morning. God, I pray that this morning, whatever struggles that we've come into the room with, Lord, I just pray that we'll lay it all down, that we will put our faith on, on, almost on a daily basis in you, that we'll run after you with all that we have, that we'll, we'll take that, that model that you gave us in, in Luke chapter 12 where the tensions were high, there was struggle all around, and instead of us kind of just looking all, for all the answers in the horizontal way, God, I pray that we look for them in the vertical, that we point that through the power of your spirit, you'll draw us closer to who you are, that we can let the old things go, we can cast the leaven aside, and we can follow you with grace and humility. I pray that if there's anyone that's in, in this room that needs to find community, I pray that they'll do that. If they need to have a seat at the table, they'll get plugged in here. If, if this isn't the church for them, God, I pray that you'll, you'll take them to the church that is for them. But you designed us to be plugged in to a body. And so, Lord, move today as you have in the past and as we trust that you continue to move in the future. Move our hearts through the past struggles, through the present struggles in the future. God, we trust in you in all things. And God's people said,